Am I on with Am I on with Bear Studios? You are live on the air with Bear Studios. Thanks for joining us this evening. Is this Bear? No, actually, Bear Bear is my son. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he had his own show called Bearcast for uh, for a while. Apparently, he did like forty nine episodes. Wow. He did a lot. They were actually they were actually really good. Um, and then he just he lost interest in it. Um, okay. What was what was his main topic of conversation? He would talk about like Avengers movies or Harry Potter or if we'd go somewhere he'd talk about it. Okay. Okay. Now was he doing this uh by himself or was there were there others joining in or Yeah, there's one on there. The longest one he ever did was like a twenty one minute one with me where we talked about our, our history of pets in the family. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So we can kind of do this as just as our, you know, it's kind of like our pilot episode to see where how this goes and yes well, you know the thing about pilot episodes is oftentimes the shows get canceled right after the pilot <laughs> that is true so we're open we don't get we don't want to get canceled at the one minute and fifteen second mark that would be a record <laughs> yes yes sir yeah that's where our, our good friend Chandler would say yes sir yeah yes sir oh okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so are we, we're titling this, I think we, did we set on the nexus of pop culture and Cherry Road? Yes. The and, nexus and of pop culture and Cherry Road. With all apologies to Charlotte and Oakland. <laughs> no, I don't want to apologize to Charlotte. That seems like <laughs> we're, we're referencing the city and, and, you know, I don't. Well, that's what know. makes it so mysterious. People would have to crack that code. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. That's true because they're should, both they're both major cities a world apart. Right. So who knows what we're talking about right now? Speaking of a world apart, there is a place uh, halfway between Camden and Sumter, South Carolina, called Rimbert. And as you're coming into Rimbert, and and it's very small, really. It's one of those you know the what's the old saying? You blink and you're you've missed it. Uh, it truly is one of those places. Uh, but it is the home of a place called Lilford's, which looks like a hole in the wall on the outside, but is actually very fine dining on the inside. Hmm. But that's not really my point, even though I did just give a shameless plug for someone I hope will sponsor this cast. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the welcome sign coming into Rembert says, welcome to Rembert, a world of difference. And I'm thinking to myself, Okay, they've got Lilford's, and that, that, that's, that's a plus. But beyond that, there's a post office and I believe a Dollar General. I don't remember seeing a gas station or anything else. And so I'm thinking to myself, what world? What world of difference is there? So, you know, if we ever start taking call-ins, you know, on this show, which do we have the ability to do that? Uh, we we have the ability to. I, I don't know if we can take live calls. We can have people make comments on here. Okay. Uh, and we we can also call someone in. Like uh, I'd like to call our our good friend Bridget from Asheville, North Carolina, early on in this. Not tonight, but in another episode. Yes. So, so you know, I'm I'm thinking I want to get to the bottom of this. What is the what's what's the drive? What's the what's the impetus? What is it behind Rembert that makes it a world of difference? So, you know, these are the kind of mysteries that need to be solved. I don't think they can claim any kind of world unless they have a Hardee's. But, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the, but they seem very confident in that without the Hardee's. Um, What's the uh, population of uh, Rembert? You know, off the top of my head, I don't know. Do we have a, like a, that's disappointing. Do we have a stew or somebody like that that can look those sorts of things up for us? We, we do not have a producer at this time. Hmm. Okay. That's going to be something we're going to need to work on pronto as well. <laughs> All right. So, producer. We need a producer. Okay. And so, yeah. I'm making lists. Yeah. Making lists right now. Yes. Good. Yeah. So, holiday movies. Um, and and, and, and you, you made... A very, very interesting and intriguing point that I don't think that you knew that you made is is when you're thinking of holiday movies, you know, things like uh, in, in this day and age, things like Elf or 
um, you know, Home Alone or, uh, you know, even even a classic like It's a Wonderful Life comes to mind. But do you really think of planes, trains and automobiles when you're talking about a holiday movie? And clearly, clearly you do. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole goal is to get home for Thanksgiving. So, I mean, I think you definitely would have to say it's a holiday movie. Okay, okay. So, would you say it's a Thanksgiving movie? Absolutely, yes. It's absolutely a Thanksgiving movie. Okay, so what other what other movies would you put in the Thanksgiving movie genre? There's not many, and I, I don't. I, yeah, I heard this this, this conversation recently. Uh, Dutch is one, um, which is also a John Hughes film. Um, you know, with Ed O'Neill. Yes. Driving his Al Bundy. Yes. So featuring uh, was Ari Myers, who was uh, Emma on Kate Nally is also in that. Um, but other than that, there's not a ton of Thanksgiving. You know, outside of Charlie Brown, Thanksgiving, uh, there's not a ton. I'm sure. I'm sure there's been a, one out there with maybe Holly Hunt or someone like that. Maybe Kate Winslet. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, there's probably a Kate Blanchett movie with that features Thanksgiving as a as a thing. I mean, she's she's played in most every other role. Uh, not a big Kate Blanchett fan, by the way. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there early on. I appreciate your honesty with that. I think it's going to clear up a lot of uh, <laughs> misconceptions the more this conversation goes on. So thank well, you for sharing that. So. So okay, so we so Dutch, now, but Dutch, Dutch. If I, I, I believe I've only seen Dutch once, and I believe it was a long time ago. Well, I know it was a long time ago. I tell you what, what, what works, what works for Dutch is that it has a feel of a Thanksgiving movie. The scenery is really good, um, and the, you know it's it's one of the, similar to you know we got to get from here to there to unlikely characters paired together. So I, I think in terms of just the visual, of the movie works really well, but it just it's not a very not a very good story overall. But weren't they also, it was Dutch was the stepfather. Is that correct? Am I? No, nah, he was just the boyfriend of the, okay. of the boy's mother. So I'm not prepared to talk about Dutch. I don't have any notes on this. Um, but per, <laughs> this is where I'm going to put a star next to, we need a producer right here. Um, Cause that would be helpful. Uh, yeah. So he's just the boyfriend. But they're trying uh, think, to get somewhere, right? They're trying to get to right. He's he's he goes to he flies to like where he's at boarding school, which I believe is is actually Georgia, um, uh-huh. and then they drive back from Georgia to Chicago, trying to bond. So very, D- Dutch owns like a construction company. He's very wealthy. Um, his dad has little to do with him. Okay, uh, so he's acting out. So seemingly, there's a uh, there there are some parallels that can be drawn. With planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I heard that uh, I was listening to. I don't remember my sources on this. I was listening to something where they talked about how, um, uh, as podcast called the Film Appraisers, they're talking about this, which is a very good podcast, by the way. Um, they were talking about how the there was the way that they filmed scenes from plane either either the way they filmed Dutch inspired planes, trains, automobiles, or the way they filmed planes, trains, and automobiles inspired some of the scenes from Dutch when they were just the way the car is traveling on the road. Some of the shots that they did. And if you watch them, you can, you can definitely see that. Okay. Okay. By the way, so, shout out which, to the film appraisers. Great podcast. Which stands to reason both being John Hughes films that there's, there's some, uh, there's kind of a thread that, that runs through those, that, that sort of, I mean, do you, do you feel like John Hughes is his own genre? You could make an argument for that, because you know the common the common settings, uh, the common characters. The, yeah, I absolutely think so. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So, getting into the saga of Del Griffith. Um, you know, how how, do, how are we going to deconstruct this? This, you know, this is a it's. You know, it, it, I feel like one of the things that really, and 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 maybe maybe I'm I'm t- going to the nuclear option too early, uh, in in this podcast. I mean, at the nine forty seven mark, I'm already. Do I need early. to say spoiler alert before you say anything further? Yeah, p- perhaps we should go ahead and say you know spoiler alert. But is I feel like the movie is a certain way, 
all the way until the last, I don't know what we say, seven, eight minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. When it suddenly becomes this uh, really emotion uh, packed roller coaster of a, oh my gosh, what just happened kind of thing. Um, but, 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 I, you know, but I think that's what, what, what makes the film work there is that, is that you realize what you were, what you thought you're watching all along was really something else happening all along. Which, which I'll argue it's a brilliant movie. It's, it's, it's really not a sudden shift. It's just that moment, you know, uh, like to any other, you know, when someone discovers that all the clues that this is really the bad guy, if you put this, this, this together, with, with Neil's kind of realizing that he's the bad guy based on everything that just went down. Um, he's the one who's being really insensitive. He's the one that's kind of the pain here. So could we argue that then that Steve Martin plays the exact same character in Father of the Bride and Father of the Bride too. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, I'm I'm going to make you defend your position here. I'm going to say that you're one of the 12 people that's seen Father of the Bride too. Um, Have you seen it? I I I may have seen it. Uh, I've seen Father of the Bride. I can remember that. I can't quote it or anything, but I do like there's a uh, in the, the the extras in the DVD the uh, between two pillows edition of plane trains and automobiles. There's there's an interview with John Hughes where he talks about how the the character of Neil Page is is an extreme version of Steve Martin's personality, and the character of Dale Griffith is an extreme version of John Candy's real personality as well, and that's why it works so well in this movie. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So. Which does that make, does that suggest that Steve Martin is a character actor? I think you could, I think he, well, define character actor. Character actor, in in my definition, in my understanding of it, is someone who essentially plays the, the same role which is geared to that person's personality and there's not an extraordinary amount of deviation uh or or i don't want to insult anyone by saying there's no range but there's they they rarely deviate from that type of character so you're talking you're talking about the character that would inevitably show up on the rockford falls the fall guy dukes of hazard maybe riptide uh, or Remington Steel, and it was always the same exact bad guy in all of those TV shows in the 70s and 80s. Yes, yeah. An example would be the lawyer on Fletch. That guy was always the, the, the mean lawyer on every show that he was on. I don't know his name. Well, we need a producer. Yes, we do need a producer, because I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the lawyer in Fletch. Um, but regardless, you know, see i do feel like and, and and please don't get me wrong i love steve martin love him to death he's awesome i also love john candy and and i felt like the i feel like the world is is a worse place since he's been gone i agree with that but could you say that john candy plays the same character in every movie no 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 because uncle buck is way different than del griffith um and yeah, I, I mean, look, look at him in stripes. I don't remember his character's name. Um, well, what about uh, Canadian Bacon? But you, I, 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 I hear you, but 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 I'm I'm feeling like Mog in uh, in Spaceballs. Who's Harry Crumb? Yeah, I never saw that. Okay, you missed a great one there. Uh, but but think about. Think I heard about, it's a number one video rental uh, at Lilford's video store in Rembrandt, <laughs> South Carolina. Think about Lilford's doesn't have a video store. So let's not oh, let's not now do, now he's being naive. I'm just it's, saying. It's, <laughs> so it's um but think about the character think about John Candy's character in um the great outdoors. Right. And now think about Del Griffith. And both of those characters, they 
they go overboard in trying to please people. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I think that John Candy had much better acting range than say Adam Sandler, who, who literally plays the same character uh, over and over again in many movies. Ah, but one could say, what about Spanglish and punch drunk love? <laughs> one could say you should never watch those. Yes, one would, and I would say that they were terrible movies. I, I, I would, I would not put John Candy as a character actor, though he he definitely thrived in that you know that Chicago style, John Hughes type film. Hmm. Um, I want to say Steve, you know, Steve Martin always, you know, he did out there movies, Man with Two Brains and The Jerk. So I wouldn't L.A. Story and uh, what's the other one, Bowfinger. Uh, which, which I think those are those are different enough. It was good. Remember Grand Canyon? That was kind of an odd film. That was an uh, odd film, and I was just about to bring that up. It was. It's one of my favorite films. Um, I haven't. I haven't seen the movie in years, but uh, I mean, he had a beard in that movie. If I'm not mistaken. He did. He did, and uh, um, played uh, the relationship that he developed with uh, with Danny Glover. Um, in that film. What was was Kevin Klein also in that? I don't Kevin Klein from the am I thinking the right guy from a fish called Wanda? Yes. Was married to Phoebe Cates still to this day. And um, he, and he was in the movie Dave. Yes. So Dave was a Dave was a, a terrible movie. I remember there was a movie where they got highly criticized for uh for using CNN so much in that movie. Um was it clearly a plug for CNN, and they, they said that they would never do something like that again. Hmm. These are random facts. They're, They're really random. That, and that, I, that's some... Also, that a producer would should be laying out on our on our desk as we speak. You know, um, So wherever you are, producer, you're really dropping the ball <laughs> on this. Um, so, okay. So let's not digress too far. So planes, trains, and automobiles. Let's 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 go with this. What uh, favorite part of that movie? Favorite scene? I think my favorite scene is the one where they're driving the car going the wrong direction, and the other saying, "You're going the wrong way. How do they know where we're going?" Yeah, thank you, thank you. You're going the wrong direction. You're gonna kill somebody. And then John Candy makes that drinking motion with like his fist and his thumb up, like glug glug, and yes. does this yeah. motion with his hands, and then they, you know. They run in between the 18 wheelers and uh, he turns into the devil <laughs> in, yes. in Neil, Neil Page's eyes. That's probably my favorite scene. The Between Two Pillows is the obvious one. And I, I remember seeing that as a, in the, as a trailer coming attraction back in the, uh, the 80s and thinking that this is going to be the funniest movie I've ever seen. And it was. And that, that, that scene still works. to this day. Even though you know it's coming a mile away, that scene still works. The Between Two Pillows. But I think the one I just that car scene really cracks me up. Do, do do you think that maybe that car scene was the inspiration for the uh, car scene in Tommy Boy, where the they pick no, up the uh, dead deer? <laughs> there are some parallels there, aren't there? Yeah, um, yeah. I never really thought about that. Tommy Boy is a movie I had to see a few times before I warmed up to it. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a movie that, and this is what I like about playing Strange Automobiles. It's a movie that never loses its way. It, it, keeps, it keeps moving forward. It's fast. Um, whereas a movie like Tommy Boy, there feels like there were, especially at the end when they go in Chicago and they're threatening to blow up the Dan Aykroyd's uh, auto parts business. It just, it really doesn't, the movie starts to fall apart. Like Elf, which we, we mentioned Elf earlier. In Elf, Elf is a great movie, but. Elf really falls apart about halfway through. And when they get into the whole thing about the spirit of Christmas uh, towards the end and Santa's sleigh, there's a scene in Elf where he's sitting like on the bridge looking at the stars. And from that point in the movie, the movie Elf completely goes off the rails. Whereas, no pun intended, planes, trains, and automobiles never goes off the rails. It stays, it stays. And that's why that reveal at the end is so good that it comes with just minutes left in the movie. You realize this is what's going on. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think, honestly, I, I think that my favorite scene is not um, – is not the uh, is not one of the the funny parts. Um, it's the it's the part where they're talking and Steve Martin does the the part about uh, I'm the Dell Griffith doll and you pull me and and yeah. and then he says you know I, I like me my wife likes me. Uh, mm-hmm. That was I always I was always you know. I was always moved by that because that there there are certain parts where I feel like John Candy does become a little more real than the the I don't know the almost the jovial smoky slash yogi bear type person that he seems to portray so often. Uh and that, yeah, that's why it's, you're right. That's what makes it. It's like when he's when he's in the car where he's not in the hotel yet with Steve Martin. Before Steve Martin goes and tells him to come inside, he's out there talking out loud to his to his wife yeah. in the car. Yeah, and and uh, there's, there's another moment too. Yeah, um, yeah, I I get what you're saying there. So uh, that that's now now I, as I said earlier when we were prepping. Uh, you have me at a disadvantage given that you watched it this morning and it's probably been seven years since the last time I saw it. Uh, so, uh, well, there's two things I noticed that I didn't think about before. Actually, there's three things. One of them I immediately dismissed. Marlis was, was Dell intentionally sabotaging this whole thing just to spend time with Neil. And I went back and looked at the evidence. You know, there's, there's no evidence to suggest that he was sta- sabotaging anything. Um, but then I did notice this: the uh, the car that Dell rents in St. Louis uh-huh. re- re- bears a resemblance to another vehicle from a John Hughes movie, the family truckster from National, from National Lampoon's, Vacation. Lampoon's Vacation. And it never dawned on me until today when I saw that. I'm like, that's the same wood paneling, the same color as the family truckster, um, which I thought was really cool. And I, that has to be intentional. Um, and then the other thing was the role that the trunk plays in that movie. Throughout the movie, the trunk is something that constantly reconnects those two in this movie. Okay, elaborate. So, in the beginning of the movie, he Neil Page trips over that trunk uh-huh. um, when he's going uh, in New York. He's trying to get to a cab. He trips over the trunk, Del Griffith's trunk. The trunk reconnects them when they get off the train because it's broken down. He looks over and he sees him carrying that trunk. Um, they're, when the car is on fire, where are they? They right, They go and pick up the trunk and take it off the road. And they're talking at the trunk when Neil punches in the gut. And then he Neil walks and he falls over the trunk. Then the trunk is there again at the end of the movie. What, you know, what do we see? Them walking down the street carrying that trunk together. Um, that just seems like the trunk The trunk is really symbolic. Indeed. Uh, it's the thing that continues to bring Neil and Dell together. Right, right. And although we never see what's in the trunk, we can make guesses about it because, you know, if they're out of money at the hotel, you know, where are those tiny little liquor bottles coming from? Where are the bags of Doritos coming from? Those must be in the trunk. Um, do you remember, <laughs> this is off topic, but do you remember the name of the book that John Candy is reading in the airport? I don't. <laughs> the Canadian Mounted. <laughs> and he's going, I knew I knew you. He starts offering, I'm like, can I get you something to drink, a beer? Coke, tea, water, lifesavers, Tic Tac. <laughs> um, I, I like uh, the other thing I like too is when they get pulled over by uh, Michael McKean as a state trooper. Um, and he's, he's asking him, do you, do you know how fast you're going? Hey, no, sir. No, I don't. You know, the, the speedometer's melted. Not one of the gauge works here. Uh, the radio still works. Clear as a bell, though. That was pretty good, yeah. but I didn't know this either until I watched that in the, the DVD extras. The where so, if you look at Mike McKean's um, his his uniform, state trooper uniform, it's from Indiana, and the Indiana is east of Chicago. So in the before they edited down the film, they actually had overshot Chicago by a couple hours somehow, and so they would have been going, they would have had to turn around and gone back again. But the, I guess they edited that part out. Hmm. So I want to go, I want to go to the end 
what 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 do you suppose is supposed to be our conclusion deduction etc on the way that neil's wife greets dell this is this has baffled me now for for 37 years where she says hello mr griffith and he says hello mrs page mm-hmm. uh and i i don't know if that's to tell us that i could have thought about that as i was watching it what you know why is that written like that and i don't know if it's there to tell us that those two characters really don't know each other. Like, you know, he doesn't even know what her first name is. Mm-hmm. She she doesn't know what his first name is. I don't know if that's, I really don't know. It's just, it's very, it changes to very formal. And I guess maybe that's, that's the beginning of that relationship. I don't, I don't know. So do, do we can, and, and where do we, where, where are we left at the end of this film? Where do we think things progress from here obviously you know john candy's dead uh 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 steve martin is is significantly older now um there was never any discussion of and i don't even know this is something that you probably how did this movie do at the box office i'm sure it did very well um yeah i don't i yeah i don't have any idea on that i mean can one conclude that john candy stayed for dinner things went well they invited him to stay over Few items go missing the next morning. They accuse Del Griffith. He gets upset, trashes the house, commits commits a quadruple homicide, <laughs> makes a pass at Neil's wife. I, I don't know. I do. I do wonder what happens from that that point on because it, you know it's a very nice moment where he's obviously standing clutching his hat and he's smiling and you know I I always wondered about that that exchange between the two. The only words that they that they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it, it leaves one in a, a, a great deal of wonder over, uh, you know, so, so many different things. And, and I don't feel like, and, and this, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because you would know this better than I would. What, I, I don't know of any other John Hughes film off the top of my head where there is so much speculation, so much to be, so much that is open to speculation at the end of one of his films. I feel like most, the rest of the time, they're all well, wrapped up fairly not neatly. Well, there's lots of, there's lots of speculation at Pretty in Pink of why she wouldn't have ended up with Ducky. Um, but that's a whole other story. Um, but I think that Breakfast Club you know, ends with Bender kind of walking across that football field. And I think in that one, we, we don't know, you know, in the breakfast club, we're watching the span of like four hours of detention. Right. Or maybe, I, maybe it was the whole day. It was the whole day. Yeah. It was the whole day. The whole, so we're looking at an eight hour day. So what, what happens Monday at school? So I think for me, the breakfast club always made me wonder, you know, what, what happened that, that next school day. Okay. And you know, Bender just kind of throws his, his, you know, his hand up in the air as he's walking off there. So uh, that's the one that always left me kind of thinking. See, I didn't, I didn't feel that way at the end of that. And I think it's, I think it's because I just presumed that everybody would go back to the way things were on, 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 I mean, they even talked about that. Right. Right. Is that, you know, when things, when, when, when they go back to school or when, when things go back to, the normal that they would just be the same and that this would just so they're gonna mess they're gonna mess with the bull and get the horns again is that what you're saying yes that maybe what was his name stubby handelman's butt cheeks were gonna get taped together again <laughs> so why is bender throwing his fist up in the air because he achieved um an understanding you know he he got to somewhere he was. He always wondered what it was like to be some spot that that you know on the uh, I, I don't know the social barometer of high school, uh, and you know he 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 had his experience. He lived it. He you know made out with the girl. He was you know. Now you're just summarizing the movie, though. You mean. I'm start. I'm starting to think that maybe you're behind. 
the town motto for Rembert, South Carolina, the way you're just kind of throwing out these words here <laughs> haphazardly. Like the good folks in Rembert. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm just I'm not one I, for me. I feel like the Rembert being a world of difference has a completely logical explanation. Just like I feel like there is no conspiracy to Bender throwing his fist up. It's just a natural reaction to hey, that was a. We, we said you simply asked if there's any speculation at the end of any jo- other John Hughes movies. I feel like at the end of Breakfast Club is the one I wonder what happens. Okay. Does does what they say happen? happen and so this one really we don't know you know i i guess with this one we, we just don't know long term what happens with neil and dell we don't know like this dell leave the next day and he's just a footnote in the neil page story of hey do you remember that crazy guy i met and all this stuff happened they keep in touch i would tend to think that they would yeah um well i mean I maybe mean, to a... be completely i mean to be to, to, to be completely fair i mean we could look at freddie versus jason and say Hmm. I wonder what happened after this epic battle between these two uh, undead titans uh, ended up being. You know, did did they just continue to battle throughout eternity? You know, we could do that with any movie you think of. Um, what really happened with the snakes on the plane? You know, did they, when they fell off the plane, did they did they recongregate somewhere else? Uh, so what you're saying is there's a possibility that Dell and Neil's wife really have a past with each other, and they're trying to cover up by just greeting each other like that. Exactly. And moments later, Neil starts to realize what's going on. And so there does end up being a double homicide, but Dell is a victim and not a perpetrator. That's exactly that's what I'm saying. So, but now you said you said Breakfast Club. What was the other one you said that? Uh... Pretty in pain. Okay. You know, there's always been that argument of what, why she doesn't end up with Ducky. But there, there is can you can read interviews where there's conclusions to that of why that didn't work. I think Sixteen Candles has a pretty definitive ending with Samantha kissing Jake Ryan. So, um, and this Fer- Ferris Bueller, I guess I'm I'm kind of curious. You know what what the next day would have been like. Well, the, the, the um, biggest the biggest question with Ferris Bueller is what happened to Cameron with with the car and his dad and do you think his dad you know he Cameron says I think George and I are just going to have to have a little talk or a little chat and how do you think that went for Cameron do you think that Cameron just really muscled up and his dad was like oh okay so my what was was that was was that a Ferrari what was the car in that yeah, it was supposed to be a Ferrari, okay. I think. Yeah, okay, Cameron. So my Ferrari is now, you know, junk. You know, I, I'm thinking as a dad now, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, yeah, you're right. I did. I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to look at this from the parent perspective. I'm thinking that Cameron's dad comes home. Very nice man. Possibly elementary school teacher. He walks in that house. He's holding two McDonald's Happy Meals. He walks in. He sees what Cameron's done, and Cameron just lashes out at his dad. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and, and just chicken nuggets in these Happy Meal containers just slowly drop to the ground. Uh-huh, okay. Now, was one of those Happy Meals for Cameron, or does he have younger siblings? No, there were, one was for Cameron. Okay. I feel like his father was always reaching out. I'm saying Cameron was the bad guy, is what I'm saying. Oh wow. Okay. So so really now by that I mean, by that logic, was Cameron the principal bad guy or just a lackey to Ferris Bueller's truly bad guy? Yes, yes, and yes. Okay. So the real hero in the story is Ed Rooney. No, it'd be a sister. Oh, wow. So Jennifer Gray. Jeannie. And Charlie Sheen are the are the are the the, the protagonists in this film? They're the they're the true heroes in that film, is what I'm saying. What about Abe Froman? The sausage king of Chicago. Do you feel like he's 
somebody who he's he's the MacGuffin of the film. He's just a complete distraction that you know we're led to believe that Abe Roman is important, but he's really not. I don't know. I mean, maybe, and and that's probably true, just in the name itself, because I want Abe Froman to have a great deal of significance. And you're telling me he doesn't? He does not. No, he's a totalist. That's like you're. That's like telling me that you have no idea why. It's that that John Candy greets. Uh, Steve Martin's wife in in the formal vernacular. Uh, There's got to be more to it than that. I I feel like there was a dateline made about Dell and Neil's wife. (laughs) Coming up, a showering salesman, a marketing executive, and a Thanksgiving gone wrong tonight on Dateline. Yes, I want to watch that episode. Um, Okay. On a Thursday night one Thanksgiving, what should have been a family holiday, police came across a startling scene. Turkey and shower curtain rings scattered across the dining room floor. <laughs> oh, this is great. This is great. So, <laughs> all right. But but let let let's let's tackle some more. Uh, hit me with some more John Hughes films, and let's. Let's determine whether or not we would say that the, that predominantly they. So this is what this is where we qu- require research. Yes, because <laughs> I don't have a list of Chinese films okay. in front of me, um, <laughs> but I do. I do think that that overall playing trains automobiles is it, like I said that the action moves along very well. I, I disagree that there was a, uh, a critique of the movie I listed recently where they didn't like the music in it, but I thought that the music was very eighties. Um, and I think that there's certain sounds in that movie that, that do work well with it. Um, I do think it's interesting that it's a movie that doesn't work in 2020 because of, um, virus aside, uh, you know, with the use of cell phones, I mean, all these problems with apps and cell phones are easily solved issues. No problem. Uh, and the amount of smoking in public places too really surprised me, um, one little detail I noticed that I never did before was I know that there's a mix-up of the credit cards in the hotel, but I, but I always thought when Gus was handing back the credit cards, he just kind of handed them to the wrong guy. There's a slight difference on those credit cards if you look at the name of the credit company because Dell makes a comment, do you take discount credit cards? And Gus says, yeah, but I have to charge it for double. It comes out uh, in the difference or something like that. And um, But if, if you look closely, those two credit cards are from – they look the same, but they say two different things on them. And I never noticed that before. I feel like that's a, that's a detail I, that you should have caught earlier. And, 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 and yeah, frankly, okay. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> Did you notice that before? I just always thought they were both Diners once, Club. Once again, credit once cards again not. probably seven years since I last saw that, the movie. Man, how can you? I got to watch it every year. I watch them the Tuesday before Thanksgiving because that's when the the movie starts the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So. Okay. Now, are, are what are, are you streaming this? Are you? Is it DVD? Uh, I, I own I own it on DVD. The the Between Two Pillows okay. edition. Gotcha. And now, what does the Between Two Pillows edition add to the original film? Do you know? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say nothing. Okay. Um. It's got some interviews with. It's got some couple of deleted scenes, which really don't. There's a scene on the uh, airplane where they're eating a meal, and the old guy that's next to Neil is in a little bit more. But um, the deleted scenes aren't that great. And there's an interview with John Hughes. That he may be on, maybe in Carson or Letterman. I'm thinking, um, but he's answering questions about filming the movie, and that part was pretty good. Other than that, there's nothing, nothing particularly, particularly great about it. Okay. Now, John he, John Hughes is he still alive? No, he died pretty young. Um, he died, I think. Didn't he die like in the nineties? I don't know. To get a, Stu, uh, Stu, can you get us that information? 
I would guess that he died in his early late forties, early fifties. He he wasn't very Evidently, old at all. Stu has also um, died because he's not doing anything for us right now. I would swear this is easy to look up. I would swear that's the same house in the end of Plain Strange. That's the house in Home Alone. I would concur with that. Um, it, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of yeah that that's a reasonable. Assessment. Now, what, what, besides Who's Harry Crumb, are there other John Candy movies that you have not seen? I haven't seen Wagons East, which is his last film. That was with um, Matthew Perry. It's like around 94. It's the last film he did before he passed away. No, no, no. Wagons East was not Matthew Perry, was it? Wagons East was, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Richard, uh, what's his last? Lewis. What? Richard yeah. Lewis. Uh, Matthew Matthew was with Chris Farley in Almost Heroes. I haven't seen that at all, so I wouldn't know that one. That's that's also a, a really good film. I, I own that one. Uh, it's 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 a uh, Matthew Perry and. Chris Farley are the equivalent of Lewis and Clark. And they actually at one point like are run into Lewis and Clark while they're on their expedition. Okay. But Candy's last film definitely was Wagon's East. Yes, but I do think it was Richard Lewis. I don't think it was. I think think you're right. I think you're right there. We'll have to edit this part out. Um Do we do that, or, or do we just make it? This is you can, you can do it on real. your hat. This is the real it. deal. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we we go on with. I think I think we've got a caller from Wichita on line one. Bonnie from Wichita, what do you got for us? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk about the end of this film. We we'd kind of like we we'd kind of like to talk about the end of this podcast. <laughs> We're chiming at 42 minutes. Or we've done pretty good. There hasn't been a whole lot of no, time. I, and I don't ever so suspect good. that there will be. So, did you see Canadian Bacon? I did. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's overall uh, not a great movie, but there's some really, really uh, genius parts of that film. Yeah. Like the part where they're talking, they're, they're making the case for the. Canadians have amassed 95% of the population on the U.S. border. I had a really cool graphic with that. I'd have to watch Canadian Bacon again, but yeah, I think Eugene Levy's in it, and it's like every Canadian comedian. So, And uh, now, did you see Cool Runnings? Yeah, Cool Runnings is okay. I don't... I don't don't love Cool Runnings, but I mean, I, I watched it because John Candy's in it. I like John Candy. So, so. Interesting John Candy story. Um... I was watching, uh, this has been years ago, I was watching um, a, some kind of something, maybe ABC's Wide World of Sports, maybe some kind of Sports Illustrated special. Do you remember when Sports Illustrated sometimes would do TV specials? Does that that ring a bell for you? Mm -hmm. Okay. It does. Um, And they were talking about... uh, the, the 49ers uh, during the Joe Montana years, and th- that, that dynasty. And shout, shout out to Clemson player Dwight Clark. Well, for the catch. you know, there's that, that's a good shout out to make. Um, and it was, it might've been Dwight Clark, but it might've been Jerry Rice. And I can't remember. They were talking to him about uh, the, the, the Super Bowl where they were playing the Bengals when uh, Kenny Anderson was quarterback in the Bengals. And in the fourth quarter, the, the 49ers were down by, I don't know, four points or whatever. And they were going in the huddle, and they had to drive down the field to score. And, and I may be mixing up my Super Bowls here. It may have been in one against. Yeah, you're, you're talking. So Super, Kenny Anderson was Super Bowl 16. You're talking about Super Bowl 23. Okay, which was against also the against the Bengals. 
Yeah, that was Boomer okay. Sison okay. was quarterback in that game. So they're uh, so they're in the huddle, and you know everybody's all nervous and everything. Super Bowl, we're down. We got to drive the, the length of the field, fourth quarter, and it said. Joe Montana was just like super cool. He looks up while they're in the huddle and he doesn't say anything else. He goes, Hey guys, look over there. There's John Candy. Who was <laughs> And so he said, after that, everybody was just like, That's super cool. There's John Candy. And we were so relaxed for the rest of the game. So, you know, that's just a little bit of John Candy trivia I thought I'd throw in there. Is that he was yeah, that that would that have to be twenty three because they were they were never behind the Bengals in in Super okay. Bowl sixteen. Um, but who who did Joe Montana throw the game winning touchdown pass to in Super Bowl twenty three? Let's see. I'm going to say. Um, It's not Jerry Rice. It's not Jerry Rice. Um, John Taylor. That's correct. That is correct, sir. So, yeah. Uh, John Taylor from Rumbert, South Carolina. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> former former uh, silent partner at Rumbert's. Uh, fine dining, <laughs> and um, have you have you eaten? Fine, at yes, I have. Fine dining and video rentals. Um, <laughs> the only place in the American South where you can still rent Betamax tapes. <laughs> How far is this from Kershaw? Because because I'm going to demand to go to River. Oh, it's um. 45 minutes? Yeah. That's worth the trip. Let me tell you right we now. Would go eat. We would go eat at I, Wilford's and maybe rent a movie. I'm, I'm thinking we stop for the picture, the two of us in front of the Welcome to Rembrandt sign where it's kind of like the Kiwanis yeah. thing on it. I don't know that it has the Kiwanis thing on it, but it does say it's a world of difference. That definitely is a photo I, I in our agree. future. I agree. So... How do we uh, do? We do we work? Do we close this thing down? Do we, you know, what's? I, I feel like we've have, have we exhausted planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, I, I you know, we really didn't. You know, I think in the future we would go through this, and this is kind of a, you know, for you kids out there, this is a sneak peek behind the scenes right now. We're pulling back the curtain, talking about <laughs> the production of the show. So this is really yeah. a special moment. It's only for. This is only for our Patreon listeners yeah. right now. Um, those of you who pay a dollar a month to support the podcast. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that we need to maybe, uh, and I have no problem doing this. We'll we'll have to do like a like a, almost like an outline, uh, and then maybe do a little more research to have our facts ready. And then if we can get um, maybe bring in uh, how how's how's Harper? Could she be a producer? Yeah, I think so. She could. She, but but I mean. I can bring him back. I mean, I mean he's, he's, he's already got the production experience. It seems he does. like he, does. he would be a great producer. I'll talk to him. Okay. I think I think I think that's gonna be our best bet because you know, when I wanna know uh how many uh RBIs Mike Schmidt had in the nineteen eighty season. I'm gonna need somebody to get on that. It's gonna be 117. <laughs> See, I don't know. 1980. Is he? Is he? Is is it still that high? He's the MVP that year, wasn't he? Yeah, still that high. I mean, he was. He was when he won the MVP. I think in '86 yeah, also, really? didn't he? That late? Yeah he he wasn't great in the postseason though. He was. Uh, one of those years, he was like one for twenty. Maybe it was eighty-three, where he was just terrible. In so the he was the. Uh, so Alex Rodriguez was the Mike Schmidt of the of the two thousands. <laughs> that's that's a good good uh good comparison there. 
I think he was really good in 80, but he was not good in 83, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. So then is 117 too low? I don't know. I wish I could look this up right now. I'm not, you know I'm going to look it up and text you in a few minutes. <laughs> I'm going with 117. 117. I'm going to stand right, firm to I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to say uh, – I'm going to say – I'm going to say 125. Okay, so closest without going over is, you know, paying the winner gets dinner like, at Lilford's. I like that you threw in without going over. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's 124, you still win. I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, okay. Um, well, uh, so so now do we finish this up and then FaceTime or are we just are we just done? <laughs> That's a good question. I think we're okay. just done at this point. All right. Uh but it'd be interesting that it'd be fine to have this uh I'll see how much we can edit okay. edit down uh, okay. you know off the end here. Uh you know, we can save the the special behind the scenes production. Talks for like I said, Although I really feel scores. like the Mike Schmidt conversation should be in there. <laughs> Remember, for those of you who are supporting us on Patreon, that uh, that will include one day an autographed photo of of us at uh, in front of Lilford's in Memphis, South Carolina. Potentially an autographed copy of Mike of a Mike Schmidt 1980 baseball. <laughs> Our autographs on a Mike Schmidt. Yes, from 1980. That's what it needs to be. Oh, I like it. I like it. Not Mike Schmidt, our article. That's right. Okay. I like this. Well, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Hey, you too. I appreciate that. uh, We'll uh, let's text and figure out when our next next podcast is going to be. Absolutely. I, I want to get uh, Bridget in on this too. We'll have to um, give her a date and time, and that that'll be fun to have. I'm her gonna, on and 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 then like we'll, the build up will be when we are live on location together from wherever. So yes. Yes. That's going to be good stuff. Okay. Even if it's Rember. Yeah. Yeah. Live, live from the steps of the Ida Jane Dacus Library. Or I think would be live it. from the world of different side. In Rembert, South Carolina. Live in the former location of Hot yes! Now. That so we're feeding the family podcast. We're feeding the family. All right. All right, my friend. Same Happy Thanksgiving, Scott. Whoops. Was I allowed uh, to say your name? Yes. Yes. Yes, Stephen, you are. Okay. All right, All right Tom. <laughs> <laughs>